All righty, we want to welcome you back to our uh, series called Know Your Enemy. Uh, last week, we kicked this series off and talked about what in the world is the devil up to? And in that message last week, I talked about the fact that uh, we quoted from John 10.10, which says, and the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's what the enemy is up to. And we made this idea known, what we want you to understand is there is a war going on around you and within you, whether you are aware of it or, or not. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's so funny when we, when we talk about um, the devil, it, it's real easy for people to go, oh yeah, the devil, you know. And uh, the devil would love you to believe that he's not real. He would be really happy with that. He wants you to believe that he really doesn't exist. And uh, the fact of the matter is, if you don't feel like you are encountering him uh, from time to time, my guess is that they're probably, you're already on his side, you know. Um, the, Adrian Rogers had a great quote. He said, you know what, if you're not running into the enemy once in a while, it's probably because you and him are walking the same way. He doesn't want you to believe he's out there, but he is. And his goal is to destroy you. Destroy your life, destroy your walk with God, destroy your home, destroy everything about you. That's his end game, and that's what he's up to. And in this series, what, what I want to do is to help us understand how this enemy works so that we can be ready to meet him as we encounter him. Does that make sense to you? Um, today, I want to I look at a, at a passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I want you to repeat this out loud after me. The best defense is a good offense. Let's say it again. The best defense is a good offense. If you don't believe me, just look at the OU Sooners. You know, they don't... <clears throat> They can't play defense at all, yet, yet they've been able to outscore everybody so far. Now, you've heard that adage before, and, and this is a really important message because what I want you to understand today is that if you and I are really leaning into God the way that we should be leaning into him, then we'll be ready, and, and uh, we're going to talk about what that looks like. I want to look at the text of Scripture uh, from Ephesians chapter 6. There's a, a section there where Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. Now, I want you to notice in your bulletins, we put a bookmark, and uh, I saw these. They had given these out in our college group on Wednesday night, and I loved them. And this has really has the text of Scripture. And I thought, these are great little keepsakes for you. you put it in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator to remind yourself each and every day to do exactly what that says, to put on the armor of God. Now, let's look at a passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, uh, 10 and 11. Read it out loud with me, would you? A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. In other words, it's what you do before you encounter the devil that's going to matter the most. Does that make sense to you? Um, I read a, uh, 
I read a, a, a story from J. Vernon McGee. He was a, a commentator from, from years ago. Uh, he wrote a, a commentary on the book of Judges. And in that commentary, he was talking about when he was young, he was at the, uh, what you, we call it now, the Rose Bowl Parade. But back, back in the day in Pasadena, California, it was simply called the Rose Parade. And he said right before World War II, he was there and the Rose Parade was happening. Of course, they have all these floats that are decorated. And he said there was this one float that had all of these American beauty roses on it. He said it was absolutely gorgeous. And he said, and it came to stop right in front of where he was standing at this parade. And he thought, wow, this is interesting. And it stopped right there. And he said, he's looking at it. And he said, and all of a sudden, they saw people on the float getting off and they're kind of getting under it, trying to figure out. And he realized this thing has broken down. And uh, they stood. And of course, the whole parade is backing up. And uh, as, they, as, they, as they got trying to work on it, finally what they discovered was this float had run out of gas. Now, here was the crazy thing. The float was from the Standard Oil Company, now Exxon, if you know, if you know Exxon Gas. Here's the, here's the oil company float that ran out of gas. The theme of the parade, be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Well, they weren't prepared, and they ran out of gas when they should have never. And that's when I thought about that when I was working on this message. Because, again, for those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, his spirit lives in us. And Paul says that with Christ's spirit in us, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, if that's true, then why is it that we run out of gas? Now, again, it's just us. I'm going to guess that there are some of us who, again, we've committed our life to Christ, but there are times when we feel depleted of the power that we think God ought to be given us, that there are times when we really don't have it within us to do, really do warfare with the enemy the way that we can, times that we get easily discouraged, time when we're easily overcome by temptation. Why is that? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. Now, Full disclosure, what I'm going to share with you today, this isn't rocket science, and you guys know me well enough to know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a gym rat who got called to ministry, man. I mean, I'm just an old jock who got called into ministry. I'm not smart, but there are some basic things that I'm going to tell you, if you don't get this right, you're going to struggle your entire Christian journey, and I want you to, I want you to get this. I want you to be ready. I, I saw this quote, and I thought this was so good. Throw that up on the screen for me. To be prepared is half the victory. Amen? To be prepared is half the victory. In other words, if I can help you do the things that you need to do to be ready for war, then you know what? The rest of it, you can learn how he works and we can overcome. Let's go to the, let's go to the scriptures again today. I want to I walk you through Four thoughts. Uh, I'll do them quickly. I'll get get you out of here in an hour and a half. I promise you. But let me give let me give you just a, a, a few thoughts that uh, that I hope will really help you and challenge you. You ready? Here we go. The first one is this: When you pray, pray out of preparation instead of only out of desperation. Let me say that again: When you pray, pray out of preparation instead of only out of desperation. 
Now, what I was thinking about when, when we began to talk about how do we prepare ourselves to really do battle, I, I think it's just kind of common sense in our spiritual journey that we, that we need to pray. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? For most of us, the only time we pray is when we're already in trouble. The only time we pray is when we already have a need. It's when we're already sick or we're already struggling or we're already you know, neck deep in whatever it is. But what if we flip that around? What if instead of praying being this, you know, life raft that we try to jump up on when, you know, when we're struggling, what if we turned prayer into something that we really utilized as an offensive weapon? Because the best defense is what? A good offense. So what, is, what, what does that look like? Well, look at the passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 6. Look at what Paul says. He says, read it with me. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Now, everybody look at me. I want you to hear my heart with this. You know, back in the day, the, the Desert Fathers used to talk about praying for three to five hours a day. Now, here's what I know. You're not going to do that. You're not a desert father or mother. You're not a monk, and you've got other things to do, and you're going, Pastor Steve, I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. I'm just going to bed at 3 a.m. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and, and, that's, and that's okay. That's okay. But what if, what if you dedicated 15 to 20 minutes a day to pray? That doable? Because here's what I can tell you. If you don't pray, you're going to struggle. If you don't pray, you're going you're to get beat. If you don't lean into God through prayer, I promise you this spiritual journey is really, really going to be hard. And I want to I help you just kind of lock it down and say, what if I gave just 15, 20 minutes of just some offensive prayer a day? What would that look like? And here's what I want to give it to you. I want to show you how to put that into practice. You ready? Three things I want to say to you. Here's the first one. Pray specifically. If you want to turn, it, turn your prayer into offensive prayer, pray specifically. Who, what, where, how? Who, what, where, how? How many of you have some people in your life who are difficult to deal with? Yeah. How many of you brought them with you today? You got them. Yeah. What? Did my wife raise her hand? She did. I'm not even going to comment. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. But here's what I know. What if tomorrow... What if tomorrow when you got up, you begin to think about who are the people at work that you know you're going to have a hard time with? Who are the people that just really, they know where your goat is tied and they know how to go get it? Who are the people that, that make you, that you would say, they make me say things I don't want to say. They make me act in ways I don't want to. Who are those people in your life? And what if tomorrow when you got up, you prayed this prayer, Lord, you know who they are. You know this individual. Lord, help me see them like you see them. Help me hear them like you hear them. Help me love them like you love them. Help me, Lord, be an influence for you to them and not let them influence me. What if instead of waiting until they're making you nuts and you go, help me, Jesus, you know? What if you got up in the morning and really asked God to help you with this person? What would that change? Does that make sense to you? Who? What? What is it that you're struggling with in your life? What is it that, you know, when you, when you wake up tomorrow uh, and you go, oh, 
man, you're feeling really tired and you're, and you're, and you, and you get up in the morning and you, and you talk to God about what you're dealing with. Lord, I'm really tired today. I had to endure another one of Pastor Steve's messages yesterday and Lord, he's just killing me and I didn't get a good nap in like I wanted to. And, uh, you know, and what if, what, what if, what if when you got up in the morning, you say, Lord, you know what I'm struggling today. You know where, where I'm hurting today. You, you know how I'm weary today. Lord, I need your strength to help me. What if you really talk to God? Look at me. What if you really talk to God about how you really need him? What is it? What is it that you're dealing with today? God, I've got a meeting today, and I need your help in that meeting. I need you to be with me. I need you to lead me through that. God, I have to have a hard conversation with someone, and I don't want to mess it up. I want to say what you want me to say. I want, I want, the, I want the end of this to be uh, something that you, could, you can be proud of. God, I need this. Who? What? What is it that you're dealing with? Pray specifically about that. Where? Where are you going? Where do you need God's help? Maybe you're going to be around people who have a tendency to influence you, and you say, Lord, I tend to go in their direction, and I don't want to. I want to draw them toward you. Help me to be strong today. Where is it that you're going? You say, God, I need you to be with me in this place because this is a scary place for me. This is a place where I get my feelings hurt easy. Lord, I need you to be my shield. I need you to be my strength. Who, what, where, how? How is it that you need God's presence today? How do you need him? What is it that you need God to do for you specifically today? So often, and just think this thought with me. So often, what do we do? We get up in the morning and we say, Lord, bless me today. What in the world does that mean? Bring the power of God specifically to the circumstances of your life. And I promise you this, you'll experience more power than you have. I promise you. Pray specifically. This one hurts. Pray with surrender. Pray with surrender. I put a note to the side of that. Not my will, yours. That was how Jesus taught us to pray. What if God's agenda for you tomorrow is a little bit different than your agenda for you? What if this conversation that you're going to have, what if God's got something he wants to do in it that you're not thinking about? What if the accomplishment of the, of the stuff that you've got ahead of you is on God's, on God's plan is a little bit different from your plan? Are you able to yield to what God wants to do? You see, here was, here's what I know. Every single day of our lives, God is working in and through us. And so often what we say is, God, bless me, bless what I do, rather than, Lord, would you help me do what you're blessing? Does that make sense? Pray with surrender. Lord, you may be up to some things today that I'm not aware of. Would you make me sensitive to your Holy Spirit? And would you help the accomplishment of this to glorify you? Can I give you another one? Pray with humility. Pray with humility. What does that sound like? I need you. I need you. Make eye contact for a second. Hear my heart. You know I love you. But you're not nearly as strong as you think you are. In fact, the, the one trick of the enemy that he's really good at is making us believe we're strong. And because of that, pride builds up. And pride goes before what? The fall. The fall. 
You get this. And so what we need to do, I talked about this in the Habits of the Heart series I did a, a while back, but we need to pray with humility and cry out to God and say, Lord, here's what I know. I need you. I need you. You know, those of you who, who are in recovery, you'll get this completely. Every day when I pray, here's what I pray. God, I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I'm addicted. I'm a codependent who will be easily influenced by others. I have in my life sought out adoration and attention in unhealthy ways. Lord, what I know is just outside the door, the enemy is going to want to take me down that track. And here's what I know, God. In my flesh, I am not strong enough to overcome. But God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I can't be the husband to this woman that you want me to be without your help. I can't be the father to my sons that I want to be and you want me to be without your help. I can't be the grandfather. I can't be the pastor to this church that I need to be without your help. God, I need you. And you know what you discover? What Paul said in Corinthians. When I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. I, I, love, I love how... Uh, Moses framed this in Exodus chapter 33 as God was nudging and moving the people onward. Look at, look at what Moses said. Look how, how Moses had this awareness. Moses said, if you don't personally, he's speaking to the Lord, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me, and on your people if you don't go with us? Now read this out loud with me. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. All of these people that you're going to encounter uh, wherever you go, do you know what? You are just like them. You are flesh and blood. You are made of the same stuff. You are a part of the same fallen human race that everyone else out there is a part of. What sets us apart from others is the presence of Christ in us. That's it. That's it. And here's my prayer. God, if you're not going to go with me, don't let me go. If you're not going to walk with me, if you're not going to be in me, if you're not beside me, don't let me go. I need you every step of the way. Does that make sense to you? When you pray, pray to prepare, not just being desperate. Amen? Let me give you a second one. And this ties into this, and I think you get this. Lean on God for decision-making, and not just disaster cleanup. Lean on God for decision-making and not just disaster cleanup. Come on, it's just us. Let's be honest. 
How many of you have ever in your life made decisions without really talking to God about it and really had consequences as a result of that? Anybody? Yeah. But that's, that's generally kind of how we live. Most of us live our life, truthfully. Truthfully, what we do is we just kind of go and we make decisions and we ask God to kind of trail along and, oops, that really was a mess. God, can you clean that up for me? Can you clean that? What if instead of asking God to come along as a disaster cleanup, what if we really leaned into him and sought his will and his way for the decisions that we're making? What if we really tapped in to the wisdom of God? I don't know what you've discovered in your lifespan, but what I've discovered is I'm not really that smart. I'm glad I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that. I'm not really that smart. Because it's true. I need the wisdom that God has to offer. Look at James 1.5. Look at what he says. Read it out loud with me. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will give it to you. There's a, a, a great story in Judges chapter 9. and uh, In Joshua chapter 9 rather. And in Joshua chapter 9, the people of God have moved into the promised land, and they are now beginning to take over the country as God had promised, that he would give them this land. And they, they conquered Jericho, you know, and the walls came tumbling down, and they made two runs at the city of Ai before they got that right, and they overcame the city of Ai. And now word is beginning to get around that this is an unstoppable people who serve this God who watches out for them. And now people in the communities around are just freaking out a little bit. So these people from uh, Gibeon said, man, we know we can't stop them, so what do we do? They said, let's fool them. So what they did, they, they came and uh, they took their, their bags and stuff, and they put dust all over them. They brought moldy bread. And when they got to the Israelites, they said, hey, we're from a long way away. Uh, you know, but truthfully, they were close, but they said, we're from a long way away. And they said, you know, we want to enter into a treaty with you. Now, the Israelites would have never entered into a treaty if they knew how close these people really were. But they said, you know, no, we're from, how do we know you're not, how do we know you're not from, oh, well, look at our bags, look how dirty they are, look at this moldy bread, this bread was fresh when we started out, and and they were, and and here's what it says, there's this statement in Joshua 9 that is absolutely a haunting statement, it said, and they looked at everything that the Gibeonites had, and it said, but they did not inquire of the Lord, but they did not inquire of the Lord. And because they did not inquire of the Lord, guess what? They entered into this treaty with a group of people who were a pain in their side for the next several generations. Inquire of God. Look at me. You know I love you. I do. And I want your life to go well. I'm going to tell you, your life will go a lot better in this thing if you bring God in on the front end rather than the back end. Amen? Number three. Get your Bible off the shelf and into your heart and mind. Get the Bible off the shelf and into your heart and mind. Now, again, this isn't rocket science. I don't think anyone who has been a part of the faith for any length of time, everybody understands I should read my Bible, but here's the deal. Most of us don't. 
All the surveys have shown that people who say that they are born-again believers in Jesus Christ, most of them do not on any regular basis read the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, that is one of the tools that the enemy is using to keep you in a life of defeat. Look at what Paul says in this whole chapter of Ephesians 6 about why, why the Bible is so important. Read it with me. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is what? What does Paul call it? A sword. It's a weapon. Now, I'm going to talk in a, in a, in a message in a couple weeks. I'm going to talk about how we can use this also as a defensive weapon. But God has given us the Word for a purpose. Can you imagine going into a sword fight and getting out there on the battlefield and going, oh, I forgot my sword. Guess what? You're dead meat. You know, you're dead meat. Well, that's what Paul's talking about. He said, you know what? God has given us this word for a purpose. In fact, he, when he writes to Timothy, look at what Paul says the word of God is for. Read it with me. It's a long passage, but read it with me. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Circle the word prepare. In other words, God has given you his word so that you can have something to take with you every single day when you go into battle. Now, again, one of the things I, I think that we, we get into trouble with is that we don't understand, well, how, how should I read the Bible? I know I should, uh, but I really don't. What can I do? I'm going to give you just three thoughts as you think about getting the Word of God in your life, and I hope this will be really helpful for you. They're there in your outline. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Have a workable plan. Have a workable plan. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're a note taker, I want you to circle the word workable, and I want you to circle the word plan, because both of those are important. Here's the first one. Have a plan. Have a plan. In other words, the best of your intentions are not going to be good enough. What, what is your plan for digesting the word of God? What is your, what is your plan for that? Uh, because here's, the, here's what we know. Plan things happen. A failure to plan is a plan to fail. And a lot of people who, when, if they approach this thing and say, well, I just hope maybe I'll pick up my Bible once in a while and just kind of read whatever. No, 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 no. That's not the way to do it. There are tons and tons of Bible plans. And if you need one, we've got some out at the Welcome Center. We'd love to give you to, to do this. But have a, have a workable plan. Have a plan in place so you know where you're going and you know what you're doing. And the second piece of that is important. Have a workable plan. Have a workable plan. Now, why this is so important is because every, every year in January, when we start making New Year's resolutions, people start, you know, they realize I'm not where I need to be in my walk of faith, and I'm going to get up every morning at 6 a.m., and I'm going to read the Bible for an hour. And January 1 comes, and, you know, they get up at 6, and they read for an hour, and they're feeling pretty good. But they, since they got up so early that day, and they stay up really late on New Year's night, you know, they, they go to bed the next day. And next day, they get up, and they oversleep, and now it's not 6, it's, it's after 6. And maybe they read for 45 minutes, and by the third day, they're reading a half an hour. And, and by the fifth day, they're just totally discouraged, and so they quit reading altogether. Look at me. I would rather, again, I would rather you have 15 to 20 minutes a day where you're reading small sections of Scripture than I would of you having a plan that you're going to try to read the Bible entirely through in, in a short amount of time. Does this make sense? Now, let me, let me get to the second point, and I'll come back to that. Reflect as much as you read. 
reflect as much as you read. This is the whole idea of what I'm talking about. I would rather you spend five to 10 minutes reading and then spend 10 minutes reflecting on what you read than you spending 20 minutes, 30 minutes, even an hour just reading straight through the Bible as fast as you can. Why? Because the goal is not for you to get through the Bible. The Bible is to get into you. Does that make sense? That's the goal. People go, oh, I read the entire Bible through. Good. Did you catch any of what's said? Because the goal of Scripture is to make you like Jesus. And I would rather you read a passage of Scripture, a verse of Scripture, or a few verses of Scripture, and let God speak to your heart about it, than I would for you to read these volumes just so you could check it off your list and run off without letting any of it touch your heart or life. I'd rather you sit down with the scripture and and have it say something like, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And let me reflect on that just a little bit. And let God bring to my memory how I yelled at my wife the day before. And let his Holy Spirit speak to my heart about, was that really Christ-like, the way that you did that? Do you think that's how Jesus would have spoken to your wife? And let God convict me and let, let God help me to come back to my wife and, and make amends with her. Let, let, in other words, let God take the word and let it actually change our lives. If you read less scripture and spend more time applying it to your life, it'll change you more than if you read volumes without thinking about what it says. Just the way it is. And the third thing I want to say to you about that is when you stumble, don't stop. When you stumble, don't stop. Now, this is why this is so important for me to say this. There are some of you perfectionists out there. You're going to create a plan, and somewhere along the way, your plan is going to go awry. Uh, you're going to have a plan to read this much time every day or something, and then you're going to go on vacation or some other crisis is going to happen in your life or you're going to get sick or, or, or something's going to go on, and then you're going you're to get off of your plan, and then you go, well, I might as well just not read at all. That, again, look at me. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Tomorrow, get up and read, and if the next day you don't, guess what? Get up and read then. And if you miss two days on the third day, guess what? Go ahead and get up and read then. If you miss it for a week, go ahead and get up and read then. If you miss it for a week or two weeks, get up the next day, let God speak to your heart and read it. If, look at me. If you haven't read your Bible in a year, I don't care what you've done. I care about today. Pick it up today and begin to read. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants to work in your life. We let the enemy make us live backwards. Forget backwards. Live in today. Amen? Find a plan, a workable plan. Spend time reflecting on the Word of God and and let it be a mirror that speaks to your heart and life. And if you stumble a little bit along the way, it's okay. Just get up and keep going. Let me give you one more. If you're going to be on the offensive in this, have a team fighting with you. Have a team fighting with you. In the armed services, we have a, we have a saying that says, never leave a man behind. Because what they know is battle is never a one-man thing. It's about a group fighting together. And the same for us. Look at me. God created us to live in community. Look at what, he, or what Ecclesiastes says. Ecclesiastes 4.12. Read it with me. 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Look at the wisdom of Jesus. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. So Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he began sending them out. How? How? Two by two. Two by two. Even the disciples who walked with Jesus were sent out two by two. God said it from the beginning. It's not good for man to be alone. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest lies of the enemy in this century is this whole American individualism that he has had us buy into in our walk of faith. I don't need anyone. I can have a relationship with God all on my own. I can read my Bible. I can worship alone. I can do this alone. And I'm going to tell you, you can search the scriptures for yourself. You are not called to do this by yourself. God created us to live in community. And I think the question you have to ask is, who am I bringing into my community? Where am I surrounding myself with other people who who are walking this journey? Who can speak into my life? Who can point out things that I'm not seeing? Who can encourage me when I'm down? Who can comfort me when I'm sorrow? And more importantly, who can I comfort? Who am I allowing them to invite me into their life that I can pray for them, that I can help them? Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands. It's not easily broken. And I know you think you can do this by yourself, but you weren't meant to. Some of you may have seen this. Uh, two weeks ago, they ran the, the Boston Marathon. Throw that picture up on the screen. A gal, uh, that's Megan Roth. Megan's a, a, a world-class runner. Uh, this is actually a picture from her, the 2019 uh, marathon where she actually did her, her personal best, ran a 244 marathon, which is outstanding and actually helped her to qualify to be able to go to Atlanta to qualify for the Olympics. Megan Roth, uh, two weeks ago, was running in the, in the Boston Marathon. and This stellar athlete, somewhere about 7.2 miles into this run, in her own description, she said, all of a sudden, everything just got fuzzy. And she said, then the next thing she knew, she was laying in an ambulance, looking at her own feet. This world-class athlete went into cardiac arrest right in the middle of this run. Fortunately for her, throw the next picture up, there were a couple of guys who were right behind her when, when she went down. The guy on the left, name is Tanner Smith. He's a physician's assistant in ER. The guy on the right is Nick Haney. Nick's a firefighter and an EMT. When she hit the ground and people were stopping to help her, they immediately went to work and Nick began to do CPR and to get her heart going again. Throw that next picture up. Right behind them was this guy. This is David Pye. David's a surgeon from California. An EMT, a physician's assistant, and a surgeon, all there when she went down. They got her heart going again. 
They continued to work on her, shifting out back and forth until the paramedics got there and they were able to get in her ambulance, get her regulated. She went home. They found out she had an arrhythmia issue and they actually put in a defibrillator um, for her and she was able to be released very quickly from the hospital and go home. But she would have died if she was running alone. Look at me. Hear my heart. You're only alone on this thing if you want to be. But that's not how God intended. God has created you for victory. He's made himself available through prayer. He's given us his word that we can tap into as a sword. He's made himself available for us to process decisions where we're not always having to clean up the messes that we're making. And he has surrounded you with people who would love to journey with you. All you've got to do is invite them in. Now, I don't know which of these impact you, but here's what I can tell you, gang. When we talk about doing battle with the enemy, preparation is half the victory. Here's what I guarantee you. If you do your part, God will do his. And he will be there for you every time. I want to live a victorious life. Do you? And I believe that's what God created us for. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And then you might have it to the full. And I just want us as a body today, I want us as believers, if you're watching online, I want us to commit ourselves to say, Lord, help me to do what I know I can do to get myself ready, knowing that if I do my part, if I put on the armor that you've given me, you will never leave me or forsake me. And I will be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. I asked Rachel to, to lead us in this song. It's, a, it's actually a song of victory. It's a soft song, but it's a song of victory, and I, I love it. And what I want you to do, I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would, and Rachel's going to lead us in just a, a verse in the chorus of this song, and then I, I want to pray, and I want to pray that we will dedicate ourselves to the preparation that God has provided to become the victors that he wants us to be. Father, how we thank you today that your promise is that you would never leave us or forsake us. And Father, how thankful we are today that you have given us uh, weapons for our warfare that we're in, that you have already given us so much of what we need to live the victorious life that you have promised. And I pray, God, as we shared these things today, they're very simple elements of our faith, but but Lord, there are things that we sometimes don't do. I'm going to guess that, Lord, many of us really haven't prayed to prepare. We've prayed to react, but not to proact. And I pray that you would help us to turn prayer into an offensive weapon. Father, I pray that you would help us to seek you, that we would seek you for the decisions that we're making before we make them, not making them and hoping that you'll come along behind and bless them or clean up the mess. Father, I pray that you would help us to become students of your word, Lord, I'm always amazed how I can sit down with one verse of Scripture, and as I reflect on it, your Holy Spirit says things to me that I need to hear. Your Word is alive, and it can cut us deep into the heart. 
It can empower us with strength. But we have to take the time to sit with it, to savor it, to allow it to be our bread for the day. And Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to not walk alone. Lord, I pray that we would find a few close friends to walk with on this journey who will encourage us and strengthen us, challenge us, hold us accountable. I pray that we would find groups and classes to belong to so that that we have a safe place, Lord, where we can share our hearts and pray together and encourage one another. I pray, Father, whenever the enemy attacks, that we're not out there in a field somewhere all by ourselves, but that we're linked arm in arm with a few other people. Two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Father, I pray that you would help us to put into practice the truth that you have shared through your word today. As we get up tomorrow, remind us there's a war going on out there. Help us to prepare well because preparation is half the victory. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.